Amen. Well, this is, um, for, for many of us, and certainly for me, favorite season of the year as we have are concluding Holy Week, this, this week where we walk with Jesus in real time, you know, from Palm Sunday to um, uh, uh, thir- Monday, Thursday to Good Friday, um, and now uh, to Resurrection Sunday, that the highest holy day in the, the Christian church calendar, in our history, one that we've been celebrating for 2,000 years. Hey, Wow, I like this. I <laughs> don't know why this is here, but I like this view. It's, um, but so all of the, the celebration that, that we have, the, the flowers, the, the, the music, the, the feasts that are to come, the, the, the dyed eggs and candy that many of you have already gorged on um, today, it's all worth it. Because it points us to the the beauty and and celebration of what we've been singing about. that, That Jesus died for our sin. He took sin and evil and death with Him to the grave. And there He has risen and and showing victory over sin, over evil, and over death. And so it's, it's worth pulling out all the stops. You know? And it's one where you know, we, we join with Christians throughout the world and throughout the ages. And when, you know, when we say, He is risen, you respond. And it's, it's beautiful. However, folks outside the church... Folks that are skeptics, folks that that don't believe, folks that don't understand. As they look at this day, we, we will say to them, He is risen. And their response is, so what? Because that's their question. Maybe it's the question for some of you here. Some of you here, you're, you're here um, for a good reason. You're here to keep the family peace, you know? Grandma's here, so you came with her, you know, or whatever. The grandkids are here, so you came. But you just came, and that's cool. That's good. That's a, that's a good thing. That's not a, not a bad thing. Glad you're here, and thank you for that question, if that be the case. And keep asking it. So what? Yeah, he raised from the dead. So what? What difference does it make? That, that's really more the question that people are asking around us. They're really, and I'm all for it, and I fully um, love that when we come to the resurrection, we're not talking about a metaphor. You know, we're, not, we're not talking about a nice story. We're not, we're not talking about that just it's, it's an inspirational story with, with it that helps us be happy. And celebrate. We believe that if there was a video camera when Jesus was um, on the cross, he would be dripping real blood. And that video camera would follow him into the tomb where his brain and heart, they would have stopped. His blood was no longer flowing. And on the third day, he raised from the dead and had wounds in his hands and in his side and his feet and in his head. That it is, it is real, not just a nice story. But again, the world asks us, so what? 
They're really not asking what's true. They're asking what difference does it make. And that's what we'll look at today is is Paul talking to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 6, he says this is the reality. This is what difference it makes in our lives. Because we as followers, anyone who calls themselves a Christian, who is serious about following Jesus, is with Christ. He's with Christ in His crucifixion. He died with Him. Anyone who is in Christ and is with Christ when He's been raised from the dead. And so that power of the resurrection is alive in us to lead us into the newness of life. That's the difference that it makes. As we look in Romans 6, I want you just to take particular note of the time that you hear Paul say that we are with Christ, that we are with Him. Again, you can follow along on the screen or you can um, follow along in the Pew Bible, page 917, Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, um, we give you thanks for your word as it speaks to us of what is good and what is real and what makes a difference. And so, Lord, we pray your spirit will um, give us eyes and ears to hear and to, to encounter you, to hear your word, to live into the freedom that we have in the resurrection, to do what you call us to do. So speak to us, guide us in your good and perfect will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 1. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore... We've been buried with Him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So we are with Christ in His death and in His resurrection. It's a spiritual reality of being united with Him in ways that are mystical, spiritual, beyond what we can see and feel. We were with Him then. We are with Him now. He is with us now. And so because we've died with Him, we've been raised to new life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, that we are with Him then that that means death no longer has control over us. I mean, we'll go through death, but it no longer has fear over us. Sin, sin no longer has control over us. We're in Christ. We are truly free to not sin. Now, we might choose to disobey. We might choose to go our own way. In Christ, now that we've been freed with Him and raised with Him into this new life, into the power of the resurrection, it is possible for us to say no to sin. That's, that's the power that we have with Christ. It's, it's like this. Um, yeah, I, I shared with you, you know, when we started this Lenten journey seven weeks ago, um, I told you about my friend uh, Al Topazi. He was the uh, um, director uh, of the... Um, Press box at the Alabama University of Alabama football games, and so um, I got to know Big Al when I turned 16. He said, "You can come to the press box during a football game." And so it was a beautiful autumn afternoon on a Saturday, and Alabama was playing Mississippi State. And so me and my friend Brad Spencer got to go watch the game from the press box in Bryant Denny Stadium. In, in Tuscaloosa. And as we were walking through the press box, you know, to 16-year-old boys, a lot of people would stop. Who are you? You know, what are you doing here? Well, I'm Drew, and this is Brad. Okay, what are you doing here? Well, we're here with Big Al. Oh, great, welcome. Come, enjoy. It's all about who you're with. Well, we're with Christ when we face sin, when we face death when we face evil. So when we're with Christ, when we invoke our withness with Christ in the face of death and sin and evil, they have no ultimate power over us. That's what it means to be with Christ. We're no longer, verse 6 says, no longer enslaved to sin. See, sin is that power over us that leads us to disobey God, that leads us to go our own way instead of the way of God. And we're now no longer enslaved by sin. There are consequences of sin. And the consequences of sin that are brought on the world from the very beginning is death, both physical death and spiritual death. Well, now that sin no longer has the power over us, the consequences of sin, as we were just singing, they've lost their sting. They've lost their ultimate power. The fact that we have died with Christ and died to sin means that the consequences of sin, both physical and spiritual, have lost their power over us. Death no longer has dominion, Paul says in in verse 9. It's no longer Lord of our lives. Our physical death separates us from those that are still alive, right? When, When someone physically dies, and that separates us from those still physically alive. Well, now we know in Christ Jesus that that physical death no longer eternally separates us 
from those who are in Christ Jesus. That our physical death no longer separates us from life with God. And that's spiritual death. That when in our sin we're separated from God, separated from Him, we're we're worthy of His judgment and wrath. In Christ, that spiritual separation has now been reconciled. It no longer has control over us. We are one with God, with Him. That's what eternal life is. It's life forever with God. The other way that sin no longer has dominion over us, not only because of its consequences in death, whether spiritual or physical, but also in its power over us to disobey. We, we now always have the option of obeying God. Because we're with Christ, then the power within us to obey Him is within us. No no longer can you say the devil made you do it. No longer can you say others made you do it. No longer can you say sin made you do it. You, You might sin. We might disobey. We might go our own way. But it's because we've turned from Jesus who is with us. We have, we're no longer walking with Him. In that moment, we've disobeyed. Sin no longer has the power over us that it would have over us if we're not with Christ. Our position, our identity, our status is with Christ in the heavens, in the power of the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's where we are. Now, we might choose to live below that status. We, we might choose to go our own way and live back in slavery to sin, but our position with Christ is above with Him. You know, there are still slaves today in the world. Matter of fact, there are more slaves in the world today than any other time in our history. Still slaves in the United States. Uh, it happens a couple ways you know, in, in the United States. Um, usually what happens is there are folks in another country that, where they're oppressed, where they're persecuted, where they're um, uh, subject to abject poverty. And some folks, some um, uh, unscrupulous businessmen or women come to them and say, Hey, I've got a deal for you. you I can get you to the United States. And when you're in the United States, you'll have to work for about a year, pay me $1,000, and then you'll be freed. And you can live there and work, and you'll be freed from this this mess. And what happens is then they they come and they bring them to the United States, and they change the rules on them. For some, they'll make them sex slaves and put them in, uh, make them prostitutes and brothels, but they'll keep them under their hand because they're here illegally and they have no rights and they can't, they can't go to anybody. And they scare them. Or they'll, they'll work like as migrant workers and farmers and they'll say, well, here's what you come and then you pick and then we'll pay you. Um, and then from that, what we pay you is how you pay us back over the year. But then they don't tell them, Oh, but you also need to pay us for room and board and you need to pay some fees while you're here to where eventually what what happens is they never make enough money to ever pay them back and they become enslaved in one way or another. 
And what will um, what, what has happened then at times, you know, the, the authorities will re- will hear what's going on, and the FBI will get get a handle on it, and they'll come in, and they'll they will then invade, and then they'll break up this slave ring, and they'll capture those that were the the captors, the ones that were overseeing, and they'll totally destroy the ring, and they'll they'll bring those that were enslaved, and they'll they'll give them a new identity, they'll give them a new status, they'll, they'll make them legal residents, or give them a green card, or a working visas, they'll give them a new status and position uh, before the, um, the, the, uh, the, the nation. And, and even though, even though they're, 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 they're those that held them enslaved are now in bar, behind bars, now they have no power, no authority over them, you, you still, as you hear their stories, they'll talk about at night, they'll still have nightmares. You know, they'll, they'll still hear the demeaning, oppressive language of those that have enslaved them. And they'll, they'll still live according to the old way of life. Because it's the only thing that they knew. They just figure that's the extent of who they are. Again, in our passage, Paul tells us the old self was crucified. The old self is gone. We are freed and with Christ and the power of the crucifixion and resurrection. But our habits of the old self can still have influence. The, the one who was enslaved on, on the farm or in the brothel may be so broken and trained by the old way that they believe the only thing they can do is what they always did. And that is a, a lie. And a denial of the power of the crucifixion and the resurrection in our lives. If the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus does not have the power to change us, then what kind of power does it have? He didn't come, live among us, and die such a gruesome death to be raised in victory just for us to be forgiven. He came, He lived, He died, He rose in order to lead us into transformation. In in order for us to be His people and to live into being His people. That's what the church is. It's now a community of freed slaves who are gathered with one another and saying, we can live according to a new way, this newness of life, this power of the resurrection. We are here to help, encourage, support, challenge one another to live according to the goodness and the compassion and the righteousness and the justice of our risen Lord who has shown us that the way of love and justice is ultimately the way of victory. Yeah, I remember reading stories of those slaves after they were um, you know, freed. And, and, and one, one gentleman talked about how he was never ever going to sleep anywhere but on a mattress with two sheets, two nice cotton sheets on said, because his freedom now, he's able to do that. He's not going to live anywhere. He's not going to sleep anywhere else. Because when he was enslaved, he slept in the wildest places. He slept under the stars. He slept on gravel. He slept in a closet, sort of leaning up against the wall one time. 
And so from now, now he is freed. And the folks that he's with are free to say, we're going to sleep in a bed every single night and every nap. And I'm like, that's what the church is in its, in its look at, at sin. You know, we don't want to live in that mess anymore. We refuse to live in that brokenness. That's why Jesus was died. That's why he was raised, so that we can live into the newness of life that he has for us. Just like him, we're never going to sleep on anything but the best. That's the church as a community of freed slaves. What's the sin that's entangling you? What's the stuff that you still got? Um, you, you, you still got some feelers out in the brokenness of the way that you, that you, you live before Jesus. Or the brokenness of the way of the world. What, what is the way that you, you're still just sort of keep hanging on? Let it hang on instead of just in the power of the resurrection being dead to sin and alive to the newness of life. Name it. Name it. Bring it into the light. Join with one another and be with Jesus in the midst of it. Because it's not just in with Jesus' death, but it's in the power of the resurrection that we live. It's in the, the newness of life, this new status that we have in Him to live as one who is forgiven, who one who has been made righteous, who one who is with Jesus in the newness of life. We live into that place. I mean, look, verse, verse 8. You know, we have died with Christ, and we believe that we will also live with Him. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, not, not just forgiven, but empowered to a new life. That's the power of the resurrection. Victory over sin and death. It's a little less than 30 years ago that I was um, in a church building on a Saturday afternoon getting married. And my wife and I were in front, and when we said, I do, when we um, kissed uh, on our way out, I came in single, I left married. I mean, according to the state, according to all the witnesses were there, and before the eyes of God, my status had changed. I had moved from single to married. Now, some of my habits didn't follow so quickly. Some of the, the ways of the old self, according to that old status, that old identity, they didn't change. Some of the sort of silly things, like learning to, every time you use the toothpaste, to be sure to put the top on the toothpaste. Or, you know, being sure to lower seats in bathrooms accordingly. You know, those, those kind of things. But also... Yeah, you know, I'd spent 23 years of my life going after the girl. Yeah, I'd spent 23 years of, of my life living in that place, and that didn't just change either. And one of the, sorry to disappoint you, those that aren't, aren't married, just want you to know, ju just because you get married does not mean the lust in your heart that treats women as objects just goes away. It doesn't just go away. Like that. 
And that was eye-opening for me to recognize, wait, here's my status, but I'm still acting like this. Now, you know what uh, helped on this journey that I'm still on of moving uh, to this status from where I am was to have my wife with me. You know, when, when she was with me, you know, that, was, that, that helped a lot because sometimes I, I, I might gaze too long in a sinful way and place and, or I might say something that was really inappropriate and she'd just grab me by the arm and say, what are you saying? What are you doing? I'm the one you're supposed to be looking at. And that was really helpful. <laughs> she spoke the truth mostly in love. But that's my new identity. She is the one that I'm committed. I've committed to God. I've, committed to, I've, I've announced that commitment to family and friends and to her. And she was very helpful in bringing me in line with that commitment. Yeah. <laughs> to which, yes. But even more, and even more beautiful, more real, was... I've said that she was the one that was the desire of my heart when it comes to other humans. And as we spent time together, that only deepened and grew. My, my desire for her became greater and the desire for others became less and less. Now, if that's the case with another human being and one as broken as me, how much more so if our identity is one who is raised with Jesus, is one who has died with Him and now raised with Him and now who is with Him forever, how much more as we are on this journey of living into that new identity will that be real if we're living it with Him? And there will be times when he'll just grab us by the arm and say, What are you doing? What are you thinking? Stop it. And that will be helpful. And there will be times, though, as we grow in love with him, as we marvel at his beauty, at his compassion, at his wisdom, at his goodness, at his power, as we walk in life with Him, we will be drawn, our desires will be reordered towards Him above anything and everything else. That's the so what of the resurrection. That we live with Jesus together and He changes us. He transforms us. He becomes the very desire of our lives. Now, starting next week, we're going to start a series for about eight weeks on regenerating. We, we had a capital campaign we called Regeneration. You can, you can do a regeneration, something that's finished for a building, you know, for a little while. You can, put a, put a, you can put a coat of paint and change the floors and those kind of things. It's sort of done. Well, for human beings, we're never done. We're always on this process of regenerating and we're going to walk through uh, the end of Colossians, the last couple of chapters in, of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And we're, we're going to talk about what does it mean to live in the resurrection? What does it mean to be a people 
that live with Jesus in the power of His resurrection. We're going to talk about and explore the so what of the resurrection. That He lived, that He died, that He was raised in order to change us, to transform us, to make us more and more into His likeness. Because a day will come when we will see Him face to face. And that's when regenerating will change to regeneration. And our identity and our experience will perfectly match. That's the direction we're on. And that's the so what of the resurrection. Amen.